Hi friend, welcome to this week's podcast from the First Baptist Church of Nokomis, where we are building the kingdom of God through the lives of everyday people. If you are new, you can visit our website at fbcnokomis.com. Click on our visitor information page to sign up for our e-newsletter or to learn more about our ministries. We also invite our regular listeners to partner with us and support our digital ministries by clicking the Give Online button on our homepage. Okay, here's today's podcast. So we're wrapping this up, and it falls at the end of this summer where we were kind of hoping we'd be coming out of some of this, this mess with the pandemic. We've certainly seen the unrest in our world today. Does anybody else just feel like it's just, just heavy? Like you just feel like it's just, like, like it's just down. Like if you look down, that's what it feels like. Like your head is down, your shoulders are down, your face is down, everything's downtrodden. Uh, you see the world we live in, everybody looks down on other people, everybody looks down on themselves. Uh, I've probably been challenged with that of late. Every time I think I'm going to do something to help navigate things and to, to speak into people's lives, I, I just feel like I'm stumbling over myself. It's kind of like worship, right? I mean, I'm like, I just played that chord a thousand times, and then it's gone. And it's, you know, like everything is just hard. And I think um, we should be able to confess that. We should be able to say, God, it is hard, and it's not perfect, and it, when is it going to get easier? Um, I think about it like parenting or any other facet of, of life. I feel like we're in a boat, and sometimes you're trying to full speed ahead, and then sometimes you're just trying to get rid of water so you don't sink. It's just, it's, that's the time right now. Like, just, God, I don't know that we can get anywhere, but I just hope we don't sink. Don't let us crash in this moment. Help me keep my head above water. Well, when you think about that, you can think about Ezekiel chapter 1. It says, in my 30th year, now, when you get to be 30, you think the sky's the limit, the world is ahead of you, and there is just life waiting for you. It says, while Ezekiel was among the exiles, so they've been removed from their homeland, they are enslaved to the Babylonians. Ezekiel is a uh, contemporary of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, or as we know them, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is a contemporary of them. So that story last week is still pertinent today. It says he, while in exile, he's a priest who is not at the temple. Instead of honoring God and being honored by God and serving God, he has lost his way. Well, it tells us that he is sitting by a river and he's looking down. I can only imagine he's thinking about life in exile. Every one of us probably has something that we can relate to that you feel like we're in exile from hope. You are in exile from trust and trusting relationships. You can't trust the economy. You can't trust politicians. You don't know where the government's going to go. You don't know where those decisions that are made that are going to impact your life, where any of that's going to go. You, you look at the world and you go, I don't know if I can even trust the people anymore. Maybe you're in a personal exile. Maybe you're at a place where you just feel downtrodden about everything, that relationships are broken, they are hard, they have slapped you on the face, they have made it difficult for you, they've blindsided you, and you least expected either a friend, a husband, a wife, a brokenness. 
Maybe you're in a personal exodus, in a personal exile with finances. And it just leaves you at the river's edge. That's the amazing thing about a river. You can watch it just go by. And I just think sometimes it's like water under a bridge is just gone. You can't catch it. You can't hang on to it. You can't keep it. The only thing you have is just to sit there. Just wonder, how hard does it have to get? When will it finally relent? And Ezekiel says, in the fifth year of the exile, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest by the Kibra River in the land of the Babylonians, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. Verse 4. And Ezekiel looked up. Would you just say it with me? Look up. Look up. If there's a prayer you have today, understand where it starts with Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. It says, I looked up, and when I looked up, I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, this immense cloud, flashing lightning, surrounded by brilliant light. This is the theophany. This is where God is showing up. At the center was this fire, glowing like glowing metal. And in the middle of the fire, I saw four living creatures. Now these creatures are going to begin this introduction of Jesus in the story. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces. Kind of weird, right? These creatures had four faces. They had a human face, they had the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. They had four wings. With two they flew, and with two they covered themselves. These are like the cherubim that were atop of the Ark of the Covenant. And spread out above them was a surface like the sky, glittering like crystal. Beneath the surface, the wings of these creatures all touched each other. The two that were flying, they could reach out, and they were touching, like making this big square. If they chose to fly, if they took off in any direction, they flew like lightning. Ezekiel said they could come to and fro like flashes of lightning. They were magnificent. And out of it, he could hear when they took off, it, it sounded like crashing waves against the shore. And then the voice of the Almighty, like the shouting of a mighty army. And then when they stopped, they let down their wings. And as they stood with their wings lowered, a voice spoke from above. And here we are introduced to Jesus. Everybody say, look up. See Jesus. You got to look up and see Jesus. I know it's hard, and I know you want God to fix things and what everything is in front of you and how hard it is, and you can't seem to hold on to it, and it gets harder, and it gets more difficult, and you keep thinking it's just never going to get better until you look up. Ezekiel looks up, and he sees Jesus above the surface of these four creatures looked like a throne made of blue gemstones. And on this throne, high above was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber, flickering like fire. You kind of get that, right? When I said last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and another, a fourth, was in the fiery furnace, and he looked like the Son of God. Remember what I said last week? Is water wet? Can fire burn fire? In other words, Ezekiel's giving us an image that this is God himself, who is fire, so fire cannot consume fire. You can't consume the one who created fire. So here we have the image of a human being, but we can't see visually because we are just, it's all encompassed with fire. 
It has a glowing halo like a rainbow shining in the clouds like on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I looked up and I see Jesus, I see the glory of the Lord. I know what, uh, in my life, I don't know that I always see Jesus. I think sometimes Jesus in his glory is so overwhelming, we don't readily recognize him. And everybody will say, but I want to see Jesus in the world today. Well, there's something that happened in this story that even though we see that on his throne he is all encompassed with fire, we can still see something of Jesus. Ezekiel's story, his, his vision, gives us these creatures that have some symbolic meaning to them. So if you think of the four creatures again, and you say, how do I see the face of Jesus? Well, these might be the four faces of Jesus. On one side, you have the ox. On one side, you have the human. On the other side, you have the lion. On the other side, you have the eagle. Now think about what those creatures represent. First of all, we acknowledge that Jesus became human. So there is a human face. He dwelt among us. In the Gospel of Luke, it says he is the Son of Man over 20 times. It acknowledges that Jesus, when he came upon the earth, was with us. He ate with us. He walked with us. If you think of the ox, the ox is a domesticated animal that serves. The Gospel of Mark says in Mark 10, 45, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then you have the face that is the eagle. The eagle that soars high into the sky. It was always a mystery where the eagle could go. Especially before planes and before people could fly, they'd see the eagle as a magnificent creature going up into the mysteries of heaven. And the Gospel of John tells us in John 14, For I go to prepare a place for you, that where I go, I'll come back, that you could be where I am. And the disciples are like, this is crazy. It's as if you're telling us about the heavenly realm. And then there's the lion. And Matthew tells us Jesus is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. The four faces of these creatures underneath this throne of one who is God. Did you catch that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Did you catch four faces that are almost a, a parallel of the four Gospels? They tell us about Jesus. They give us an idea of who Jesus is. So, when you say, I'd like to see Jesus, these are the different faces of Jesus. This is the face of Jesus the Son, Jesus the Servant, Jesus the Savior, and Jesus who's sovereign. Now think about that. The Son of Man. Jesus is the Son. He's human. And we all love that. When I drive my truck, and I'm trying to pray, and I'm feeling disconnected to God, I say, Jesus, just sit with me. Just sit with me and talk to me. You know when I think Jesus is in the car with me, my whole demeanor changes. The things that I was complaining about all of a sudden feel really frivolous. Like I'll actually say, Jesus, and he's sitting right there. You have no idea how hard it's been. And then I, I actually see this person going, are you kidding me? Oh, it's been hard for you? It's really been hard for you. Let me tell you what I've been through. Like, how do you have that conversation when he's sitting right next to you? But everybody needs Jesus with skin on. And then maybe it's Jesus who is the servant. And Mark says he went to the cross that he would serve us. I know it's hard to think, why would God be a servant? 
The face of Jesus as a servant, I think, is sometimes probably one of our greatest sins in our relationship to God. We think of Jesus as a servant sometimes too often as a self-serving, God, I need you to serve me. God, I need you to do for me. God, I need something from you for me. You walk into a room and you pet a dog. You know what a dog says? Wow, I love my master. You walk into a room and you pet a cat. You know what a cat says? I am the master. It's true, isn't it? A dog's like, oh my goodness, you are the most amazing person in the whole world. I can't think of the things you do for me. It's amazing and I don't, I don't deserve any of it. You go to a cat and they're like, eh. Like, not now. I'll, I'll tell you when I want you to come do something for me. Folks, sometimes when it comes to Jesus, we have a desire to see him as our servant. You know, it's like parents. Parents, have you ever felt this way? Do your kids ever look at you like you're there to serve them? <sighs> Mom! Mom! I don't have any clean underwear! Mom! Mom! When do I get an upgrade on my iPhone? Mom! And I'm sorry, I use mom all the time because you know how it works in our family. If they go, Dad! Ask your mom. <laughs> mom! Mom! You know how many times parents have probably felt like, why is this reversed? We had children, and we serve our children, and eventually it sort of turned on us, and they expect it all the time. I think we do that to Jesus. The face of Jesus that we most often want to see is, what is Jesus doing for me lately? And the one that we really want Jesus ultimately to do is be our Savior. I think the Gospel of John has that right. In John chapter 3, it says, Nicodemus went to him and said, what must I do? And Jesus said, you must be born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can I enter my mother's womb a second time? Jesus says, you don't understand. What I'm talking about is your salvation. And the salvation isn't that you are born physically a second time. It's that you receive the Holy Spirit or forgiven of your sins. You'll be set free. And we love the face of Jesus as our Savior. Except even that becomes self-serving. How many times have you seen somebody who got so excited about their baptism and on the spiritual high, just like that eagle to take us to the highest of heights and out of the miry clay and out of this downtrodden state that we're in, and yet eventually that roller coaster ride comes down. And that person isn't ready for Jesus without Jesus the Savior, without Jesus the lifting me up. And so many fall away. And that's why I think Ezekiel's story reminds us that Jesus is sovereign. The many faces of Jesus are important. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus is our Savior. But don't ever forget that He is sovereign. And sometimes we have a hard time with letting God be greater than us. And when I say greater than us and, and why it's a hard time, it's because when God is greater than us, then His ways are higher than our ways. His life, His eternity is greater than ours. We can't fathom and understand. We just see fire. We can't quite see the image that is God. And we certainly have no idea what God is capable of over all of creation. So don't try to bring Him down and put Him in a box. Just look up and see Jesus on his throne. Say, look up. See Jesus on his throne.
say, look up and see Jesus on his throne. Ezekiel looks up and he sees this great image. The thing that is really interesting about the story is that they've been removed from Jerusalem. The temple is void and empty. It is soon going to be destroyed. All the artifacts out of the temple have been taken and put into Babylonian temples as if to say, your God is subservient to our God. Your God really is no God. And Ezekiel sees this you catch the image? The Ark of the Covenant that has the cherubim and the Holy of Holies, the place of the temple that nobody but the priest on the Day of Atonement could go in. And in there's the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim. And on top of that's what's called the mercy seat. That was actually the presence of God amidst the people of Israel. So when they said, where is your God? They say he's in the Holy of Holies in the temple. But now the temple artifacts have been removed. The temple is just a hollow shell and soon will be destroyed. And you wonder where God is. Where is is God and all that's going on in our exile and then all of a sudden Ezekiel looks up and he sees Jesus on his throne and so we can acknowledge the fact that Jesus isn't stuck in a box Jesus isn't just in the Holy of Holies Jesus just isn't in that place where everything's good Jesus is over the cherubim over the creation over me and you Jesus is sovereign He doesn't have to be in one singular place. He is everywhere. He is, as John the Revelator says, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one through whom all things were made, the one who was and is and is to come. So that means then, sometimes when we look up and see Jesus, we have to see Jesus on his throne. Don't dethrone Jesus because you need Jesus to serve you in some specific way. Don't dethrone Jesus because you need Jesus to give you some sort of token for your eternal salvation that once you have it, you may never see or speak to him in this physical life. And you just go about your business. Don't dethrone Jesus. See him on his throne. C.S. Lewis wrote the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. These four children are caught into Narnia, and while they're there, they meet these different creatures, and they talk. They can talk in Narnia, and they find themselves with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and Mr. Beaver tells them about all will be made right when Aslan returns, and they go, who's Aslan? And they say, Aslan is the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I shall feel rather nervous meeting a lion. She says, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver replies, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. Church, sometimes you have to stop looking down. Sometimes I know you want to look down and you want to see if you can put all the pieces together and it becomes a river that is just overflowing your life. And sometimes it's good and it's pleasurable and you can ride it and you can bask in it and it's wonderful. And sometimes it's a metaphor for despair because it's going too fast. And it's too hard. And Ezekiel gives us a simple lesson to look up 
and see Jesus on his throne. He is truly sovereign. And I don't always feel better because God makes my life easier. Sometimes I simply feel better knowing that he is on his throne. Look up. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. See you next time. And remember, God is building his kingdom through the lives of everyday people just like you.